Welcome to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Leaves in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John 3, 16 and 17. Does God care for these people? It's week four of our prayer and self-denial appeal. And that is the question in our resources that we are asked today as we focus again both on the missionaries sent out to work from New Zealand Baptist churches and those they work amongst. Does God care for these people? A Dutch theologian, Abraham Kuiper, probably pronouncing that wrong, is quoted as saying, and I'm going to put my glasses on, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. I'll read that again. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Christ, who is sovereign over all, cries, mine. As we look around us at the world today, we can sometimes be overwhelmed with the sheer enormity of human suffering, the multitudes who are in need of the gospel, oppression of all kinds, natural disasters, wars, social and economic problems, and the list goes on. As we contemplate the 7.4 billion people on the planet Let's remind ourselves that God knows each and every one, 7.4 billion of us. That he carefully formed every person in their mother's womb, that he knows every hair on their heads, that he calls them all by name. God knows and cares for all people more than we can comprehend. He knows their plight He hears their cries and his intentions towards them are for good, that they may come to know the eternal hope and future found only in Jesus Christ. Amen? Thank you, Lord. What an absolutely amazing, amazing God you are. Each of us intricately formed in our mother's womb. That alone is so very incredible. Every hair on our heads, every cell in our bodies, every thought in our mind. Hard to comprehend? That's because our knowledge is definite, sorry, is finite. God's is infinite. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 29 to 31, it reads, even it reads that not even a sparrow falls without God knowing. A simple, perhaps weird term, insignificant sparrow has God's attention. Jesus encourages us that if our Father is intimately involved in the falling of one sparrow, how much more is he involved in our everyday lives? 
This passage is likened to his care for us. It speaks of it, his kindness to us. God cares uniquely for each one of us. He knows us deeply, no matter what culture we represent or where on the planet we call home. He knows our hopes, our dreams, aspirations and fears. I want to run through some verses. Thank you, Luca. He's going to put those up. I want to run through some verses that speak of his care. And I felt today when I chose these, these are a few of many, but we all agree the power, there's power in God's word. But I just felt these verses today, maybe some of you are sitting here and you need to hear these. We all need to, but maybe one or two may resonate with you. Maybe you need to hear it today because of how, where you're at. 1 Peter 5, 7, a verse I've known for years and known by heart from the Living Bible. Let him have all your worries and cares, for he is always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. Psalm 68, 5. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are lab- all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Proverbs eighteen ten. The name of the Lord is a strong tower; the righteous man runs into it and is safe. Isaiah forty one ten. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. Hebrews thirteen six. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can mere man do to me? And Romans five eight. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Aren't those amazing, amazing verses? It's there for us. We can run into him. He wants to give us rest. He's a strong and mighty tower. We do not need to be afraid. He will help us. Thank you, Jesus. God so cares for his people. And he longs for those who do not yet know the love and peace found in Jesus to find their home in him. Maybe you're here today and you need to find him. Or maybe you need to find him afresh. Please come for prayer afterwards. There's many here that would love to pray with you if you need to know that. Have that assurance. In 1997, some time ago I know, Murray and I, nearly four years out of Lifeway Bible College, were invited and had the privilege to help make up a team from the college to go to North Carolina on a short-term mission. I'd I'd often queried the value of short-term missions, but I sure don't now, and certainly haven't been on a few And I'm sure you'll agree. Our mission to North Carolina included doing all manner of things, children's work, speaking engagements, street witnessing and pastoral work with the local church folk. Um, Murray and I would have a laugh when we came home just thinking about that southern accent. I remember in the Sunday school class we took with the kids, we got up and we spoke and we sat down 
and the man in charge of the Sunday school got up and said, why, they sure do talk funny, don't they? They. <laughs> and uh, we were invited. These aren't, this, isn't in my, this isn't in my notes, but I thought you'd enjoy a laugh. Murray and I were the only married couple on the team that went, and we were invited to the pastor's home one night for dinner. And uh, she was from South Carolina. She was from down south, so her down south was even more down south. And uh, I said to her, can I do something to help you with the meal? And she said, why, girl, you just sit right down. (laughs) So I sat right down. (laughs) Anyway, I've I've gone, I've moved away. It included doing lots of things, as I said, and there were many highlights for me on that mission, one of which was when I went with a few of the church women who regularly visited a county jail where women were being held in a large cell awaiting sentencing. I say a highlight, but really it wasn't a great setting to go into. The memory is etched in my mind. I remember feeling really humbled as I was asked to sing, and I sang There is a Redeemer to eight women with just bars between us. I clearly remembered a black American woman with tears streaming down her face, with her cheeks pressed up hard against the cold bars, listening to the words, There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. Precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. And as the words, thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till your work on earth is done, washed over her, she broke down. I wanted to reach through those bars and hug her. I had to be happy with holding hands, but I was allowed to pray for her. She stammered out that she was sorry for the crime, a heinous crime she had committed, and she asked Jesus to come into her life. Praise God. He so cares for his people. He reached through those bars that day and touched a broken life, and I believe made her whole. Yes, he longs for those who do not yet know the love and peace found in Jesus to find their home in him. What a saviour. Does God care for his people? Oh, yes. So in Asia, in South and in the East, in India, in Bangladesh, God is touching and restoring lives also. He's using our faithful New Zealand missionaries to work alongside the local Christians to reach others for his glory. I like what Pastor Alistair Hall, who you saw on the screen, I'm sorry, I'm going to need water, Sorry. Um, I liked what Pastor Alistair Hall from Manukau City Baptist, who was on that mission, said, and that was, you come to a place like this, East Asia, and there are so many people, and you think, how do you reach all these people with the gospel? But in the end, God just tells us to tell one person about Jesus and to interact with that one person that we meet and come across, whether we know their language or not. 
I like that. We save the world one person at a time. Let's not get swamped by the huge number needing to hear. Faithfully work with the one that is before you. Like the man on the video clip that Arnie had time with on the street. Or like Julie, who gave up a well-paying career in New Zealand to work amongst the children in the slums in Southeast Asia, working amidst, amidst filth and sickness, daily spending hours with children and their families, loving them first and foremost, building relationships one precious life at a time. Not easy work, and at times she feels like giving up and she questions God, but she knows she's called and she keeps being faithful to him one day at a time one life at a time. Or the story of a little nine-year-old girl called Kasong and her family being helped by another group of willing Christians. Kasong lives in a bamboo hut in a remote part of Cambodia. Her hut is the size of a queen-size bed, and she shares that with four others. Her mother, who in recent years has become blind. Her grandmother and younger sister and brother, her father has died. There is no toilet or sanitation. She at nine, age nine, fetches water from a nearby dirty stream. The buckets together weigh 20 kilo. She carries them across her shoulders on a rod. Food is limited. When food runs out, she and her blind mother and two-year-old little brother walk two hours to the closest village to beg for food. Her blind mother walks behind her two-year-old son who has a bell tied to his ankle so she can hear where he is. Kasong warns her mother where to walk, what to avoid, for two hours and then two hours home. If little or no food is given, Kasong goes into the bush to find frogs and insects to take back to the family for dinner. Kasong often goes to bed still hungry. An incredibly humbling story that stops us in our tracks, doesn't it? It's good to know that help is now being given to this needy family and others in this community, one family at a time, now given practical help, and at the same time hearing the gospel of God's love and hope through Christian workers moving into the area. Don't know about you, but that story really touched me. And how many more are there like that? As followers of Jesus, because of his teaching about mission, we have a local and a global responsibility to reach others. In Matthew 28, verses 19 to 21, it says... And you know it, many of you. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It is true, we are not all called to live and work in other countries, but we are all called to care not just talk about helping, discussing their plights and agreeing with each other that we must do something. God calls us to action, 
to act on what we read in his word, to be obedient and follow through. It's a challenge and not always something I myself follow through on. This prayer and self-denial appeal provides an opportunity for us all to do that. Not that we need a special appeal time on the calendar to help. We can give money at any time and we certainly can pray at all times. We say that prayer is the key and it truly is. Prayer to God turn things, turns things around. Situations that look hopeless gain hope. Our missionary friends out serving would emphatically agree they wouldn't be able to do what they do without prayer backing. What a responsibility that puts on us. As they encounter challenges in many forms, the least we can do is pray earnestly for them. Let's decide to be diligent about this if we aren't already. So a responsibility both globally and locally to care for the lost. What does it look like for us back here in our neighbourhood, our rural area that we live in, our street, town, our communities of Huntley, Tikofata, Narawahia? Do we look out for people? Do we look out for those who are not just poor financially, but those who are poor spiritually, those living with no purpose, no direction, no hope? Do we actually see them or choose to step aside? Are our days and weeks so busy that we miss opportunities? Right under our nose, there might be someone that God is saying, care for this one, please. Oh, yes, and that one over there too. And don't just leave it at practically helping them, are you prepared to speak up and tell them about me? What about the people who come in the door here? There is warmth and friendship here. We know we're an interesting bunch, don't we? Different journeys, different stories. But do we truly treat everyone the same? Show the same courtesy, the same respect, accepting each other's cultures the way we dress, the way we speak? Do we judge others by what is going on in their life, their choices they are perhaps making? Is God able to truly use us to care for others the way he'd like to? In James chapter 2 in my New International Version Bible, the chapter is titled Favoritism Forbidden. And it reads, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man, is in, a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor at my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Verse 5, listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom? He promised those who love him. 
but you have dishonoured the poor. And verse 8, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favouritism, your sin Sorry, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Wow, <laughs> it's clearly there. If we show favoritism, we sin. We may not think that we do show it, but maybe sometimes we do, and it is called sin. <laughs> we may not judge how someone has dressed in our midst, but have we left them standing there, as verse 3 says? Could this verse possibly be a metaphor for leaving people groups out due to their distance from us, as well as their different customs, language, and value systems? When we discriminate, we are literally saying, you stand there or sit at my feet. In Jesus' time, it was slaves who sat at the feet of someone who in their own eyes was important. It's so easy to enslave, in our thinking, people who are different. To wrap this up, I really just have some questions, and I don't want answers called out, but I just want you to think, and believe, believe me, I'm thinking of them too. <laughs> so some questions for us as we go out into a new week. Knowing God cares so much for all people, does that make you see them differently? What does it mean for you today to see the people in your neighbourhood, town, nation, or even the nations through God's eyes? What does it mean for us today? What are one or two practical acts you could do this week to demonstrate to someone in your community that God cares for them. Will you partner with him? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.